We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. fans how you doing that's right i'm excited it's your boy jonathan macri coming at you for another episode of the Knicks film school podcast with my co-host my co-host about for a program about the knicks who are a 500 team as we sit here and record this they may not be a 500 team actually not may not they will not be a 500 team when you're listening to this because they will have played um on sunday night but we'll get into that in a second. Uh, first, Jeremy Cohen has a feel to be sitting here right now talking about a team um, as as we speak, tied for fourth place in the Eastern Conference. It feels amazing. How, it's, you know, the fever. You could see people outside of the games. How exciting they, you know, how exciting everything was. It's fantastic. Um, all of it. All of it was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it is all it's all wonderful. Um, we so we're about what is it? 12, 16 right now. So we're about uh, 14 hours removed from, I feel like I've, this is the sixth time I've said this this year. Is it the best win of the season? The Pacers win? It feels like every new win feels like, <sighs> as you're saying, because the game Both before Hawks the Kings wins. game was just incredible. That it wasn't, was, a first yeah, that was got, in, you know, in contention for best win of right. the season. The Hawks win was just, was Both maybe. Right, yes, exactly. Both Hawks wins. But the I first think, Pacers win was good. Yep. The Celtics blowout in Boston. Was good. That was good. Um, I don't know. Some, something about this one where they just looked lethargic yeah. and then found a way. They really did. And it had all of the best storylines you want, right? It had, except for two missed free throws, you had RJ going off. You had Randall. It seemed like he was going to have a ho-hum game and he still turns around and does what he does. Um, I mean, Rose seemed like he had <laughs> his moments where he just didn't really have it uh, for most of the game. But but just it's amazing how much of an upgrade 
like Derek Rose having a bad game is over Alfred Payton just playing. Um, so <laughs> that, was cool. that was fantastic. That wasn't nice. Uh, no, I mean, but but come on. We th- there's a reason why. I'm just pointing out when you're being unkind, and you're being unkind, Jeremy. Okay, fair. Uh, Nerlens Noel filled in admirably. He's Very. really, you know, coming into his own in some ways. Just it was a gutsy group performance, and of course, um, our you know our Frenchman, notre petit prince, Frank. I Martina. had croissants this morning for breakfast. Well, très bien. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was all, it was all the things you want. And, um, I think for me, the reason it was, it was a really special win was because, um, not only this year, but for many of the last 20 years, when something real is at stake or real for this franchise, at least, it feels like that's when they shrink from the moment instead of rise to it. And if, and they were doing exactly that going down 16 in the first half. And then, um, you know, they came back from that. And then fourth quarter, same old story. They're really going to lose this game. Really? Seriously? After being up nine in the fourth? And then they come back and win. Um, so, yeah, for, for all those reasons, uh, great win. We're not going to uh, talk about it too much. If you want to hear the extended thoughts on the win, go check out um, the uh, my post game on it. And uh, as far as the Pistons game tonight, which we, or last night, as it were, uh, I really have to get used to talking about something that hasn't happened yet. Um, if you want to hear my thoughts about that, also check your feeds, check the YouTube, the whole thing. Uh, we're recording this right now, though, ahead of time for a couple of reasons. One, as you may know, um, <laughs> my wife is about ready to pop and uh, I want to make sure we get our usual weekend pot in together. And uh, it could literally I could get the call right now from upstairs, Jeremy. Do you realize this? I could. And I'm, I would kindly respectfully and yet forcefully say Dolores no no you will wait you will wait your turn I get like an hour a week of John Ugh. this is my time it's selfish of you actually you know um, not, not even me we we we, we get we, this time this is our time. Nick's nation gets they, this but they you, tell Dolores, you would you deprive Nick's nation of a podcast to, to birth a human child ridiculous it, it's not even that. They tell you to wait until the contractions are five to seven minutes apart before yeah. you report to the hospital. So we would be being selfish by stopping this podcast. And, we, would, and, we would be taking up a hospital bed for another pregnant person because Dolores wants to get there before. So I won't stand for it. I won't. So, um, yeah. So with that, that call, that may happen any second. So we want to try to get this in as early as possible. Um, and we also have, you know, quite frankly, a, a lot to cover and like full transparency when me and Jeremy are talking about scheduling pods um, that are for a Sunday and they play on a Sunday. And I think this is a good entree into our conversation today. Um, we're like, how much will the result of the game actually change the tenor of whatever it is we have to talk about? And I don't know how you feel like if they went out uh, and again, we're talking about something that's happened, but like, I feel like the the pacer win set this like it, it was such a feel good moment and like now the pistons it's a back to back might they go out and look a little sluggish whatever we don't have to talk about it but i feel like i feel safe saying things are feeling really good after 34 games and i'm not sure that there's much that could happen between now and forget about you know the sunday game between now and the all-star break that could change that too much. I mean, obviously, zero and three would would suck. Even one and two would be would depending on how it happened. But um, it feels real, right? Doesn't it feel real? Yeah, it does. Um, you know, I mean, the thing that I'm concerned about, and I'm going to keep beating this drum, 
is the fact that the standings are so bunched up that, you know, you could feel like, oh, well, we lost two games and now we're in ninth place or something like that. But then the thought is, okay, well, we just lost two games and we're still in ninth place. It's a roller coaster, how, you know, it keeps going up and, and down. So um, I think something to consider, and I'm sure we'll get into this more uh, at a certain point, is the idea of strength of schedule, especially as you continue. The Knicks currently have the fifth hardest strength of schedule remaining um, in the Eastern Conference. So that's something to consider. But again, like, you know, we're in the thick of things. I mean, we can't, we don't know if the Knicks at this present time uh, won against the Pistons or not. Uh, but here's the thing. If the Knicks did win against the Pistons, then they're 18 and seven. And if they lost against the Pistons, they're 17 and 18. Um, David Fisdale was fired at four and 18. So, uh, you know, wow. a season removed, just the idea yeah. of how different one feels from the other. And it's, it's euphoric, honestly, it really is. Um, so it's, it's hard not to be excited about this. It really yeah, is. It's hard not to be excited and it's hard not to feel like the excitement is deserved because I think, you know, we've, we've collectively as a fan base um, allowed ourselves to get excited at times over the last, since basically 2012, 13. And um, there has never been a payoff. And in fact, the come down has been pretty significant each time. Um, it doesn't feel like we are headed for that. And um, yeah, I mean, let, let's just, well, we're going to get into the second half schedule. Um, maybe we'll, we'll move that up in our, in our uh, agenda, but first let's just touch on Randall one more time um, because he went head to head against the Moss uh, Sabonis on Saturday night. And I don't want to say he owned him, but he kind of owned him a little bit, right? Yeah. Oh, he absolutely did. Yeah, he locked him up on defense. It was the best individual defensive uh, performance from Randall I think we've seen um, since he's been a Nick, maybe of his career. I don't know. Um, and it just makes you think once again about, and we, we've talked about this already. We talked about it a lot last week with the whole max contract thing, which we're going to add some some additional color to right now. But the fact that they have this guy here it may like every NBA team who wants to do something, you need a guy and um, they have a guy, they have a guy. So, which is, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it felt personal to some degree uh, with this Pacers game where Ooh, yeah. really had something to prove. And he did, he absolutely did. Uh, he struggled in the first quarter. I think he had three turnovers, just really looked sluggish, but he turned it on. I uh, hit a lot of really nice uh, mid range shots. And before you know it, he is the catalyst for so much of what the Knicks are able to be in. And, you know, he struggled with five fouls, but his ability to stay in the game uh, was crucial. And I, I just, one thing I want to point out as well in relation to him having five fouls, Frank came in as a defensive sub. And we know that Frank was able to, um, you know, take control, getting the steal, killing time off the clock at that final play. And then, because some people were, were probably wondering, like, well, why didn't he just go to the basket? Because, you know, they were still able to kill clock. That was more important. But uh, one thing that I felt, wasn't really recognized when I went back and I rewatched the play. If you go back, that entire defensive um, sequence is saved in a lot of ways by Reggie Bullock because so Frank had McDermott on the baseline and McDermott cut through to the other side of the court and Frank's on his hip the whole way. And then you've got Justin holiday who kind of bumps him and McDermott gets free and Reggie Bullock, instead of pushing up falls back and says to Frank, like, no, no, stick with holiday, stay there. Yeah. And if you see Sabonis, he's looking directly at McDermott about to throw 
a beautiful backdoor pass and the game's tied. So, you know, I mean, Frank had the glory in terms of what he did, but it was a really awesome way to see the communication and what Bullock was able to do to help keep that lead and ultimately the game. They are, it doesn't matter who's on the court. Um, they're five guys defending on a string right now. And that's not to say they're perfect. I mean, again, they still have given up second, third, whatever, most open three-pointers in the league. Um, but we are definitely now far enough into the season to know that th- there is intentionality to a certain extent behind the open threes that they give up. Um, and we saw it again last night. Who was, who was taking all those open threes? It was Miles Turner. And Miles Turner is a guy where if you're playing the Pacers and like that's how the possession ends, you're like, okay, if you made and he made one and it was a big one late. I think it actually put the Pacers up. Um, So, um, yeah, and that's and that's been awesome. Steve Jones Jr. had a great thread um, on Sunday morning. Um, He actually highlighted a lot of very, very, very subtle defensive miscues by the Pacers and then also spotlighted a a number of Knicks plays on defense. where you could see like, yeah, the Pacers did some good stuff, um, but it wasn't because of like the Knicks were screwing up. It was because it's like they just got beat. And that's the thing. When the Knicks are getting beat on defense, it's not because they're screwing up because they're just they're just getting beat. It happens. Um, can we talk about the Randall contract thing? Yes. Uh, but, but before we do that. Oh, yes. What else? Can I, can I do some house cleaning? House. Is it keeping or cleaning? housekeeping, I guess we could do that one too. It's, it's relevant to, all right, I'll housekeeping housekeeping. That's the phrase. Okay. Well, it's relevant that, that I'm questioning that because um, I had, there were some, some listeners and viewers who had questions about our podcast last week. No. Yes. And um, I just want to take all of you back to a magical time. The year was 2005. Do I have to move? You do not have to move. Oh, even stay. I'll, I'll guide you through history. It was 2005. YouTube was the hottest sensation. You got Live Strong bracelets populating the nation. And Fall Out Boy had their album drop. Why is that relevant? Well, uh, on their album, they had a song called uh, Sugar We're Going Down. And one of the lyrics on said album is, I'm just a notch in the bedpost, but you're just a line in the song. So, uh, you know, innocent, innocuous, uh, negative four-year-old me goes online and tries to you understand. You were four in what year? No, I, it, I said negative four. I'm ba- I'm I'm poking. Oh, I'm, you're making a joke. You're I'm being joke. self-deprecating because okay. I look Sorry. like I'm twelve, Sorry. but I'm I'm twice that age and more. Uh, yes. So, um, I, in fact, I'm I'm getting ready for my second bar mitzvah. Uh, anyways, so if you look at the lyrics and you are young at the time and you have the power of the internet, uh, you're gonna figure out what it means. So uh, to those out there wondering, does Jeremy know what he's saying? The answer is yes. Yes, I did. Because KFS After Dark gets raunchy, but it's daylight. So I just had to, I had to now corroborate that. Or I, had to, I had to clear that up. Corroborating wouldn't be the right word. I had to clear that up. So um, yes, Andre Randall. I'm, I'm so happy that I will always have the last two minutes of my life to reflect back on. And they never get, have to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, Julius Randle. Uh, Julius Randle is currently. Making, <laughs> he's currently making, uh, by the way, uh, shout out to uh, Mitchell Ebner, who is the uh, Twitter user who's been who DM me some of the stuff. So I didn't have to do the, the calculations myself. 
um, he reminded me um, that in addition to the all-star bonus, Julius Randle gets an additional bonus this year if the Knicks make the playoffs. Um, and that is, I, I believe, if even if they make a, the, the play-in game. I, I think, although I'm not 100% sure about that, maybe they have to actually make the playoff field. Whatever. Let's, um, it doesn't matter. Let's assume that he gets it. If he gets it, his the the he will increase his salary next year. It doesn't affect his salary this year. It only affects his salary next year. Um, it'll make it twenty point seven million dollars, and it'll allow the Knicks to up the four year max. So as an NBA team, you can sign a player um, if you have their it's if you have their bird rights, right? Yes, but he Julius already got a bonus from the All Star game this week. Yeah, he already, so he already got. So that. it's this already a, at twenty million seven hundred forty five thousand. Yeah. So that's set in stone. the 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 playoff bonus is is a still up in the air. Um, you can sign a player to four additional years. Once, um, if you're in the final year of their contract. So what that means is, if we were doing normal year year timeline. Um, if the new league year starts on July 1st, if the Knicks wanted to negotiate an extension with Julius Randle on June 30th, they could only offer him three years. If they wanted to offer an extension starting on July 1st, it could then be four years because we're in that final year. So let's just assume um, they want to do that and they want to offer him the full um, um, extension amount that they can. Um, here are the numbers that it could be, assuming they make the playoffs. Um, 24.9 million in 2022-23. Um, because it's no, that's, that's if they don't make the playoffs. Oh, this is if they don't. You're right. Sorry. This is if they don't. Um, 24.9, 26.9, 28.9, and then in the final um fourth year of the extension, it would be five years out, 30.8. If they made the playoffs, then and I didn't do the he didn't do the numbers um year for year, but the total would be a four-year, $118 million extension. That is literally best-case scenario for Julius Randle. He does he hits all of his bonuses, and they want to give him the full four-year max that they can give him, which notably, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, is different from the max. Because when we talk about the max, the amorphous max in the NBA, that has its own set of parameters, which are unrelated to the most that you can offer a guy based on his previous contract. And that would be four for you. Well, I'm sure you know this because I don't offhand. It's it's more than four for 118, right? It is. Yeah. So, I mean, after next year, uh, Julius Randle can sign for up to a 30% max because he'll have uh, seven to nine years worth of service time. So and this as is result, after the 2021-22 season. Correct. So when he is an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So he could sign for up to 30% of the max. Um, for those who are wondering, is Julius Randle eligible for of the, a super Of max? the cap, up to 30% uh, yes, of the cap. 30, yes. Uh, for those wondering if Julius Randle is eligible for a super max, the answer is no. Um, because the fact that he has not been with the Knicks his entire career or the fact that he was not traded to the Knicks on his rookie contract. Like Harden got the super max in Houston, despite being with Oklahoma City uh, when he was drafted. Um, and Giannis had the super max because he was with the Bucks um, throughout his career. And, and there's certain criteria to hit too. It's not just anyone. Um, it's like all NBA, defense play of the year, MVP. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, the, the question for Randall um, with like a lot of these other players is, 
do I wait or do I take the money now? Um, and it, it's it, it's not something obviously that uh, we can easily discuss because um, we don't know. You know, I mean, for example, Randall has really felt comfortable here. He knows, it, it, like, he, there there is the um, the infrastructure in New York to keep him happy to a point where maybe he feels like, yeah, money is the most important thing to me. Let's do it. Or maybe he feels like, you know, I could still make a hell of a lot of money and work with this. And that's great because if he were to take this type of deal, right? Because this isn't a max contract. This is the max the Knicks can give him, you know, right what's now, the, not, not right right now, but pretty What's soon. the difference between this and the actual, the actual max that he'd be able to get a four-year max from another team would be what four for like one thirty something? Um, I can quickly I'll look check. it up. The, you you the, keep going. The difference here is that if he signs with another team and gets a four year max, it's only five uh, percent raises. Right, yeah. he's only eligible for five percent raises. But raises. But if he signs in New York, then he's eligible for eight percent raises. So that's another thing to factor in. Where, um, you know, is he comfortable here? Does he want to stay here long term? Does he is he willing to take uh, a quote unquote discount? Because the beauty of it, John, is that if if Randall were to sign this type of deal, then we both walk away uh, victorious because he technically gets a max contract, not the max. Uh, and he doesn't sign for as much as, you know, the amount that we were saying earlier. It's, it's a starting salary of like, I think, 26 million we had talked about um, in terms of what he's able to do. So, um, you know, it, it, like that, that to me feels like a very perfect uh compromise for for all the teams and for us because we we don't we don't want to be wrong exactly we're both right how how often does that happen where we have different i love being right being right is fantastic yeah it's great um i was i was off it's um so uh 30 of the cap with five percent raises um takes you to uh four years and um 130, one, almost one, about 145, a little bit more than 145. Right. So obviously that's a pretty big difference between four for 118. Um, and here's the, here's the way I think we put a cap on this conversation pretty simply. The Knicks are in a really nice position right now, which is that they can, I think, and you actually, you may disagree with this, but I'm curious. They can pretty comfortably go to Randall at the end of this season, if he keeps this up for the whole year, this level of play, and they could offer him the max that they can give him right now. I I think most impartial observers would say, yes, that is a smart team building decision for the Knicks to make. To get a guy, to get an all-star, not just an all-star. All, I don't even want to say that because not all all-stars are created equal. The year that David Lee was an all-star, no offense against David Lee, but like very different than the season Julius Randle is currently having. Um, but like a guy who's playing like a top 20 guy, if you could get a top 20 guy for under $30 million a year, you you get the top 20 guy for under $30 million a year, especially when you have guys like Tobias Harris making $40 million a year. Um, so that's the first thing. And then if Julius Randle comes back, and it's like, you know what? Like you said, I want to wait and maybe test the market. At that point, they will have an additional year's worth of information, which is what you were alluding to last week to make your main point. So I'm stealing what you said. And then if he keeps it up for an additional year at that point, and it's it's then again, as the Knicks, with that added information, you probably have the the right to be like, yeah, we'll 
we'll sign you to the, I can't believe I'm saying this. We'll, we'll think about signing you to the five-year full max. Now, that's a lot of money because that would be 8% raises and it would be five years. So then we're talking five for like one, gosh, would it be five for like 180? Um, it's a ton. Okay. So I think all things considered, the Knicks would very much like for Julius Randle to be open to accepting the max they could offer this offseason. That's my guess, but you know, they should, and, you know, I mean, it's the sort of thing where Randall also really wants to make the playoffs. He's never made the playoffs in his career and he's already yeah. 27 years old. So, and th- this kind of goes into a, a broader point as well, because I've seen thoughts and, and even questions posed at us for our mailbag, for example, uh, that Schwinn and I did this idea of dealing Randall. And I just want to talk about timelines, right? Because sure. Right now, you've got a guy who is entering the prime of his career and he's having the best season of his life. And you hope it's consistent. You hope that he's able to keep playing this way. But I think that timeline is kind of skewed, right? Because what is really a timeline? What is the timeline? We, we have this thought in time? mind. Exactly. It's flat circle. Exactly. Um, this idea of there has to be a window that that's really wide. But the truth is you don't get Spurs windows. You don't get Warriors windows. Those are rare. Your windows are usually like three to five really great years. And then you just, you know, you either start to rebuild or you're kind of a middling team or, um, or you're good enough, but not great. And that's okay. Because if you're going all in on a timeline, because that's what you care about, that's important. Like D'Angelo Russell, for example, when the Nets had that season where they finished as the sixth seed and they looked good, right? D'Angelo Russell was 22 years old. You could think, well, the timeline is around him, but it became a timeline of Kyrie Irving's, what, 28? KD's 32? Yeah. Harden, 31. I think, is 30. 30 right. They're all in their, they're all older. Uh, Josh, uh, Josh Harris, <laughs> not Josh Harris. Joe Harris Joe is a little bit older as well. Uh, DeAndre Jordan is in his 30s. So the whole point is that things can, can turn on a dime. And the idea of locking in Julius Randle to this type of contract, this, um, four-year max that is extended when the season's over, if you want to keep that player, you can build around that really easily. You truly can. And if you want to deal that contract, well, you can do that too. That's it's the really key. easy to flip. Yeah. So, but, but I just want people to keep that in mind because to me, if this Knicks front office wants to build a contender in the next two to three years, and it's easy to see them doing that, it's not necessarily going to be on the backs of the young guys. It's going to be using Julius Randle in a lot of ways to try to say, like, we've got one star. We can sign another star. We can trade for another star. Maybe we could do it at the same time. There are different ways that you can play around with this. But this idea of, like, well, Julius Randle has to go, and then we'll start building around with the younger players, it, 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 that's not really the soundest of strategies. I get the logic behind it. But if you have a player like Julius Randle in your building, and you can add to that, do yeah. it. You don't have to subtract and then be like, well, we can make up for it when there's a chance you can't. There's a, it's a really simple rule. If you're a legitimate title contender, that is the only time when I think you, from a, a, a correct philosophical team building point of view, can sign a massive contract that you know is a bad contract. If you're the Bucks, and like, I, and maybe this is even a bad example because I think you know Chris Middleton is might even be worth what he's what he's going to be owed, but like. 
you know you need Chris Middleton to win a championship. You can't replace Chris Middleton. You're going to give Chris Middleton whatever he wants, even if it's not a smart move, because you're competing for championships right now. Um, you know, if the Nets window is still open in two years and you have an opportunity to sign Harden for whatever the hell he's going to want, if it means you could potentially win a championship that year or the next year, you're going to do it. When you're in a stage like the Knicks are at and like a, a lot of teams are at, you need to be a little bit more frugal in that. As it's, but it's not about like, oh, this person has to be our, on our timeline. It has to be, we just need to make sure we could, any any contract we sign, we can still flip and we don't have to pay assets to flip it. And that's the only decision that you really have to make. And I think that's when that's why they would prefer to sign Julius Randle to the contract this offseason because th- that contract you you could flip. Um, the, the max that you would sign him to the next offseason, that's, that's a little dicier. Um, and it's just so, a w- one more thing to add. Yeah. This idea of like, well, if you re-sign Randall, then, then you have to worry about paying Mitch and you have to worry about RJ. And before you know it, you're out of money. Look, guys, there are teams that, that you, don't, you don't keep all of your homegrown players. And I think that we have to understand that with these assets and these contracts and everything going on, there's a chance that the Knicks look to upgrade because they have a surplus of assets at their disposal. And packaging things together, they're, they're going to be maybe one or two moves that from a, an emotional standpoint, as we watch the kids play right now, uh, yep. where a couple of years down the line, we could be heartbroken, but then we'll see what comes in and be like, well, that's the price you pay for there's, what you get. And there are moves even, out there that can exist. It's just, it's hard to accurately say like, well, that's who we should get. It's more just like that idea of like, you know, when the right time is the right time. Now's not the right time. The year you mentioned, two, maybe, you mentioned probably. the two teams, the Warriors and the Spurs. Yeah. And you know why those teams were able to have sustained success? Steph Curry, four years, $44 million. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili were not getting anything close to what they could have gotten on the open market. Right. And they tanked and, for Tim Duncan. And he was may, maybe the best power forward that we've ever yes, seen. And they, and they brought in a ready-made first-team All-NBA player and added him to a guy who had won an MVP not all that long before. Like, these are crazy circumstances that happen. You cannot plan for these things. You cannot, like, execute. You just, your window is going to be three to five years, if you're lucky. You know, that's it. That's just, that's. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The way it, even the Pistons yeah. like was a unique situation in the mid in the early 2000s when they went to whatever it was six or seven six. straight conference finals. Those six. OK, mm-hmm. so they they were they didn't really have a max guys. They had guys who were making these like middling salaries like they didn't have to, you know, and even that ended at some point because it always ends. But yeah. 
Um, this was good. I'm happy we did this. And we and we we end up agreeing after disagreeing last week, which was just so painful. I, it, I could not go to sleep all week knowing that I disagreed with my lovely co-host. Hey, everyone. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know how to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you could get all this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into this program is limited. So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. You want to go through the second half schedule? Uh, sure. We could do that. And then we'll do, yeah, then we'll, then we'll do a progress report and then we'll finish up with a couple of fun things. Um, okay. I have it up on my, uh, good old phone here. Okay. You said it yourself. Um, this is not easy. No, it's not easy. All right. Um, first four after the all-star break on the road, Milwaukee, Oklahoma city, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, only good news here is Oklahoma City, not only are they um, not, they, they have a net rating that is much worse than what their record indicates. But all that means is, you know, the games that they hang around, they actually win. So, you know, but they're not great at home. So tough first four, Milwaukee, Oklahoma City, Brooklyn, Philly. And then we got a four game homestand that I feel like is going to be important. And I really feel, and the two games that stand out. So we start versus Orlando, frisky team, as we know. Then you got Philly, best team in the East by record, at least um, not by net rating. And then talk about dangerous back-to-back home games against the Wizards who have been frisky of late. And I, if they're hanging around the fringes of the playoff, um, what do you call it? The the play-in game, those games worry the shit out of me. Now, here's the interesting thing. They, those games are played will be played as long as everything goes according to plan on the 23rd and the 25th of March. The 25th of March also happens to be the trading deadline. So maybe the Knicks get lucky and Washington goes on a little losing streak and is like, you know what? Let's blow this thing up while we still can. And deals Beal, which is a whole nother, we don't have to get into that right now, but like, there's a chance maybe Washington has decided to tank by then. I have a funny feeling, though, they're going to go the opposite way, and they're going to be like, we're not trading Bradley Beal. We're going to go for a playoff spot. But don't those games worry you, too? Yeah, uh, everything. All of it does. Um, <laughs> no, it's no, it really does. You know, it's very – these next few games are going to be must-wins because of the fact that, you know, and I hate – I, I yeah. really do hate using must-win because it's really no, not a must-win, right? Because there's still time. Um yeah. But this idea wrong. of it, it catches up with you. Um, and so not only, yes, the Knicks have the fifth hardest schedule in the East, uh, but I just want to say as of right this moment, uh, what the easier schedules for these teams are. Uh, so the easiest schedule down the rest of the way is Miami. That's a team in the East. That is close. Um, the fifth easiest, the Hornets. 
the sixth easiest, the Cavs, who, despite losing, what, 10 games in a row, are still right there in the thick of it because this, this come on can play in the Cavs. Stop <laughs> no, but, it with but, the Cavs. But think about it. Think about it. If they were able to be what, like 11 and 10, something like that. They have the worst net rating in the league. There it doesn't matter. You can string enough games. Look, you're telling me that if the Knicks Silly. run into trouble with their schedule and the Cavs just win two to three games, that they're not right there. They have too many teams to jump. They have to jump Washington, Atlanta, Charlotte, Indiana. They're all, Chicago, they're all this close. They're yes, all that but close. It's, I think it's too many teams to jump. Listen, but, if you were I, telling me the Cavs were, didn't have to jump so many teams, I would agree with you. But, but, here's, but here's the difference, right? A few weeks ago, we talked about the worst teams in the league. And what you'd said was, you've got the Wolves, the Pistons, and the Wizards. And now, a few weeks later, we're talking about the Wizards being right there in the thick of things. I'm just saying, it, it can change drastically you can't count a team out until they're out because of how close the standings are fine you don't have to say that they're favorites but they're in there they're right there so you know um everybody in cleveland's gonna love you let's make sure we get this clip up throughout the great state of ohio wonderful love it you know all right who goes to cleveland back to disagreeing and Uh, i'm not gonna sleep at night that's um um then we've got atlanta they are, let's see, uh, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, eighth easiest. Uh, the Celtics at ninth. And then you've got the Pacers, you know, the 17th hardest, uh, Wait, Wizards 17th 15th hardest, and then the Knicks, the 14th hardest in the NBA. So, 14th or fourth, you said? No, 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 the fifth. I'm going backward. So the Knicks have the fifth toughest, but the 14th yes. easy. Fifth toughest. My God. Fifth toughest in the conference. Oh, in the conference, hardest in, a in conference. the NBA. Okay. All right. right. So, but I, those I teams that. I was just saying in the East, yeah, th- that's actually the NBA as a whole, not the East. Understood. Okay. So I, apologies if there's any confusion. But the no, point, no, no, point here is that the Knicks have a much harder schedule than the teams around them in the East. Well, Atlanta and Charlotte and Miami are the two teams that, or the three teams rather, that you, you said that have easier schedules. That Those worry me because to right. me, the way I'm looking at the East right now, and we'll continue going through the schedule in a second, um, Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, they're, they're in. Um, Toronto's in. Toronto started off, they were 1-5 or 1-6, I believe. They're now 17-17. and 17. Their game got postponed because they don't have enough healthy players. Um, I think they're going to be fine. Um, Miami's going to be fine. I'm sorry, but Miami's going to be fine. Um, so that's five teams right there. Can they, to me, the question is, can the Knicks hang around in the battle for sixth? And that's going to probably depend more on Boston than my, than New York, because I think if Boston wants to maybe make a trade, if Boston figures their shit out, like they're just good enough that the Knicks are not going to be able to catch up to them. But again, that's no guarantee. So really what we're talking about is, are the Knicks going to be in the battle for six or are the Knicks going to be in that play in mix? Or I guess the downside would be, are they going to fall out of it? Let's keep going. So um, we're up to the ninth game of the second half. We'll go through these pretty quick. Um, Miami at home. Very dangerous. Oh, sorry. Before that, we have at Milwaukee. Not fun. Miami at home. Not fun. Going to Minnesota. Again, one game road trip to the to the Timberwolves. Dangerous game. Then we got Dallas at home. And uh, we'll talk about that when it comes. And then we got a feisty three-game road trip. At Detroit, at Brooklyn, at Boston. Don't have to travel very far for any of those, so that's good. And now here is the meat of the schedule. So if the Knicks can, let's say, hang around 500 through those first 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 games, the first 15 of the second half. So let's say they could go 
six and nine, seven and eight, something in that vicinity, that would be, then here's where you can maybe make up a little ground. Um, They play nine of 11 at home. And here's how the schedule goes. Home for Memphis, home for Toronto, home for the Lakers. Obviously Toronto and the Lakers are tough, but like both of those games are home. Short road trip at New Orleans, at Dallas. And then you got a six game homestand, New Orleans, Charlotte, Atlanta, Toronto, Phoenix, Chicago. Phoenix is tough. Toronto's tough. Um, None of those teams are easy. Any of those teams could beat the Knicks. But like, so that's why you you could, you nailed it. Um, This is a hard schedule because we haven't even gotten to the really fun part, which is after that Chicago game, it is six straight on the road out west. And it's Houston, which who should be tanking by then. Memphis, Denver, Phoenix, Clippers, Lakers. I think the only hope is that the LA teams have their playoff places secured by then, right? Yeah, um, that they rest Anthony Davis, or at least for the Lakers. That yeah, Kawhi, yeah. PG, um, and then uh, you finish up with a three-game homestand: San Antonio, Charlotte, and Boston. Whew. it's a doozy. It's not easy. Yeah. It's not going to be easy for them. I'd also like to volunteer one more piece of information that a lot of fans are not going to like, but it's just the reality of it. What? I'm uh, afraid now. Of all those teams, the team with the fourth easiest schedule right now, the Mavs. I know that doesn't factor into the Eastern Conference, but I think it's something to consider. Uh, as Come we trade deadline. I, look, I'm not itching to trade it. By all means, I want to keep the pick. I like how you didn't even say it. I didn't, you didn't even say it. You just said it. You just called it it. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. But, you know, I just, it's just something to you know, let it ruminate, think about it, consider the fact that it's, you know, they have the second easiest schedule in the West. And and, and they are right now um, two games back of sixth. Yeah. And Portland is hurt and struggling. They're currently in sixth. Um, actually, forget two games back of sixth. They're two and a half games back of fifth. And the fifth place team is the Spurs. And they have a negative net rating on the year, as does Portland, by the way. So you want to talk about two teams who seem due for a fall. And then in seventh, you got the Warriors. In eighth, you got the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets are going to be fine. They're going to be up there. Obviously, the top four in the West are not being touched. But, you know, this is why I've been pretty consistent about the fact that, like, if you look up at the standings at the end of the year and the Mavericks are in sixth in the West, don't be surprised. Um, You know, so, well, whatever. We'll, We'll see what happens there um do you want to well we'll no we'll save our we'll save our second half predictions for uh for next week um let's do a quick progress report and then um predictions for this week and uh we'll we'll and i guess maybe we'll touch on the kp thing we'll get out of here um should we talk about rj barrett he seems like the, sure. the one who it's always good to talk about let's yeah. talk about rj Barrett. okay progress report on rj barrett i am going to say something and i don't think it's an overstatement I think Saturday night was his most important game as a Nick. And I said something to this effect on the post game. And the reason um, I think it was his most important game is he was having a bad game. Um, And I don't think it was an overstatement to say he was having a bad game on the offensive end. Yes, he was hitting threes early, but at one point in the game, he was one of eight from two and he was getting blocked and he forced a couple of shots. And it was, it was just, it was a lot of the stuff that has been causing consternation of late. Um, and then the end of the game, the last five minutes happened. And it was the first time I feel like he hit some big threes, obviously. 
but more importantly, he was in command of the offense and Tibbs let him be in command of the offense. He made the right play every time, even the turnover to Bullock. That was a good, good try, good pass. Um, the missed free throws were there, but I, I loved it. I loved that he came back within the game to be able to do that in the end. Came alive. Yeah. And I think also another really awesome factor considering how terribly he was doing with his three point shot. He's now 33.9% on the season. That's 39 of 115. If you take away the first six games, he's at uh, 40%. Yeah. Which is insane. He's been great. Um, And I I actually looked this up. Uh, He's 11 of 14 from three against the Pacers this season. That's 78.6% against all other teams that he's faced. 27.7% 27.7% on 28 of 101 shooting. So that just goes to show how hot he has been against the Indiana Pacers and why I really would love to uh, A, make the playoffs and B, play the Pacers because I think that would be a really fun series. Um, oh man, Knicks Pacers again? Yeah, I know. Oh, Give me more Emmanuel quickly four-point plays. That's what I need against the Pacers. So um, The fact you know, that just, Knicks Pacers and Knicks Heat are both real possibilities for the playoffs is just... Oh, I know you're too young for this, but I mean, well, let me tell you. I was alive and watching basketball in 2013. That wasn't really. Well, but look, I know it wasn't like that era, but I still, I have still physically seen. You don't know. You can't Pacers possibly know. This I'm, not compa- against you. I'm not comparing. I mean, I'm just saying I, just, it is a matter of fact that I have seen yes, the Knicks seen, play those teams in the playoffs. Yeah, you have. Okay. I see you. I see you, Andrew. I see you. Shaking your head. All right, whatever. Good thing you're on mute. Anyways, uh, yes. I'm, I'm not comparing them. I'm just saying that it's physically. <laughs> whatever. Fine. It doesn't matter. The point is, yes, RJ had a great second half. He came alive. Um, and I, that, yes, that um, that pass to Bullock, I agree. It was a shame he couldn't stay in bounds and it was the turnover, but it, it, it was the right read. It was important. It was so, a great read. I love the read. Right. And, you know, he's a hard worker. So he's he is still shooting a lot better from the free throw range uh, this year, free throw line than he is, uh, than was last year. I think he's up to what, like 75%, 76. Uh, last year is at around, I think, 66. Yeah, 67. I, got his, I got his stats up right now. So RJ's current numbers, um, and I'll compare him to last year, he's at 43% from the field compared to 40% from the field last year. 30, uh, as you said, 30, a hair under 34% from three. Last year was 32%. Um, the free throw here, uh, 70, uh, 72.3 to last okay. year was 61.4. And then obviously the, you know, the counting stats are, are up not, not per 36, the per 36 numbers are pretty flat across the board, except rebounds. His rebounding is, has certainly improved, which is nice. Good rebounder. I, yeah. He's, and that has made a legitimate impact. His, when he gets a rebound and he grabs and goes, once he could really figure out what to do with it on the break, Still a couple of dicey moments there, but no, it's, it's, I don't know how anyone could be disappointed even with the ups and downs because he's still a second year player. He's still 20 years old. So you expect ups and downs, which is fine. Um, any other kids you want to touch on? Um, that didn't sound nice. <laughs> that didn't sound good at all. Um, God. we have one head in a hand and we have one fist on a forehead. Um, Emmanuel quickly, we should note this week, did score 25 points. At one point, he had 25 points on seven shots, seven shots, and it ended up being 25 points on 10 shots. That was pretty cool. Um, he has ice water running through his veins. He does. He's, he, he is his own slump buster, 
which is great. Another uh, slump buster, something that if it was out of context, we, we would be in. Stop. Just, 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 not, I'm going to move just on. Talk. Keep, um, okay. That's been progress report for this week at Nick's film school. Thank you very much. Um, okay. Before we do our predictions, um, let's, let's quickly, no pun intended. Um, the KP thing from this week, um, there was a, uh, we had, so we had trade reports. Um, we had an anonymous agent say something to, uh, I forget his name, but someone who covers the wizards calling KP a cancer. Um, Ian Bagley um, pushed back on that a little bit this week, um, noting that Giannis has been out of the country. Porzingis' uh, agent slash brother has been out of the country and um, that the narrative being that was peddled by the Knicks around the time that you know KP exited was perhaps overblown. And then I believe there was something else from, I forget where that I saw this morning calling KP high maintenance, uh, I'm not sure if that was in reference to his physical health or his general KP-ness, but a lot of, lot of stuff, a lot of stuff in the air. What? KP? Oh, KP. Oh, my goodness. Wow. We're really rolling here today. We're really rolling. I should have seen it coming because that's the rule of three. That was the, that's the third one. And you just said I should have seen it coming. Um, okay. Uh, any Porzingis takes for you, Jeremy? Uh um, Come on, you're a professional uh, yeah. podcaster. Push That's on fine. through. Um, yes. Uh, you know, look, I think that it's all fun and good to laugh at KP. And so I'm going to I'm gonna keep doing it. <laughs> I'm not going to stop. Um, I think that, Nor should that, you. Right. Look, and I think there's this, also this really weird um, idea that's out there that fans are rooting for KP to be hurt. That's not the case. Fans are not rooting for KP to be hurt. The fact is that KP is hurt. And this is like, well, we know that he's been hurt. We know that he's going to continue to be hurt because we have seen it with our own eyes. And we knew going into this trade, a big reason was that uh, availability is the best ability. And if you can't stay on the court, then how are you worth a max contract? And if the production you're giving isn't max worthy, then how is that good at all? And so, you know, I just I have to laugh at at certain former Bleacher Report writers who are out there who think that there's this. A cohort of Knicks fans that bands together and is like, you know what? Let's pick on this guy today. Let's let's try to get after him because of Kristaps Porzingis. That's just not what happens. The fact is that if you think from the get go that the Knicks lost a trade and you're not willing to give it time, and then a year later you reflect the Knicks absolutely lost it, not even close, and then. Again, as you creep forward, maybe it's, oh, it wasn't a blowout. Maybe it was even that the Knicks did well in the trade. Because again, the idea that two teams could win a trade or even two teams could lose a trade, that, that can't happen. It has to be a winner. It has to be a loser. So it, I, I'm at the point where I will stop caring about, I will stop caring about Christoph's Porzingis for the most part, truly. And I say for the most part, because, you know, a, a smidge of me will still have a vested interest because there's the what if timeline. Um, once the picks are done. Because right now, the most important thing to me is that the Dallas Mavericks lose so that the Knicks pick gets better. Not Christoph's Porzingis, but Christoph's Porzingis can't stay out of the spotlight, whether he's not playing or because there are other things indirectly around him. The fact that the Mavs have said, or at least they're reported to allegedly be shopping him in the second year of his contract. I, I mean, that that is something that is noteworthy because it shows that they see that they are backed into a quarter. And they're trying to figure out an exit strategy. 
because you don't, you can take calls on anyone, right? But they failed. Yeah. They failed in their endeavor. They wanted Giannis Antetokounmpo to come to Dallas and he didn't. And that's why to me, it's like, if you're going to light the Knicks and their fans up for wanting good things and, and hoping for two stars to come in and they don't, you can do the same thing with Dallas because right now you have one max slot that you can't fill because there's no one who's going to go there. Who's worth it. And you got an injured star on a max contract and he's not able to play someone. So, yeah. That, that's just where I'm at. Someone, someone double. I've again, um, the, the brain is hazy these days. Somebody, a reporter doubled down on the, um, yes, the Mavs are really taking calls on KP. Like, don't let anybody try to convince you otherwise. I, it was sometime in the last 24 hours. So that's that's out there. That's real. Um, and he had reported that himself. He, he was the one who originally reported the Warriors thing. So, um, yeah, I guess semi-related to the KP thing, KP thing we've also had a couple, um, I don't know, think pieces this week from uh, Ian and uh, Mark Berman reflecting back on the... Um, what Scott Perry um, and I guess Steve Mills um, did in the lead up to the Rose regime. Um, I don't have anything to say on this because I have no earthly clue how much pull Perry had then versus what was Mills um, and quite frankly, I really don't have a great idea of how much pull he has now, at least in comparison to the other people in the front office. As I have said on this podcast and as I have written, my understanding is that Leon Rose's operation um, is the name of the game is collaboration. And he wants to hear all the voices, which is why uh, I will push back on anyone who suggests that this the roster he has built or how he's going about going, you know, making trades or picks or whatever is to try to just give Tibbs what he wants. Uh, that is that is nonsense, um, and it's it is a it is a collaborative effort. We'll see if it lasts. We'll see. You know, collaboration is is great in theory. It often goes wrong when things don't go your way. Right now, things are going the next way. It's also new. So um, yeah, I just I I don't I don't know. I think I think Scott Scott Perry's resume speaks for itself, and I'll I think I'll just. I think I'll just leave it at that. Sure. Well, I'll pick up from there. Um, we have seen one transaction where Scott Perry has been in charge. It was a good one. It was a really good one. He traded Marcus Morris. Uh, he got back Mo Harkless, just a salary, matching salary. Um, the Clippers pick. And he got back the Detroit Pistons pick this year in the second round. Everything outside of that, it is really hard for us to parse out who's responsible, who's not. Because if you want to talk about all the good that Scott Perry has done, then you can also talk about the fact that he was part of the team that hired David Fisdale and hired Keith Smart, that brought in Dennis Smith Jr., that brought in Emmanuel Moutier, that drafted Kevin Knox. Knox. You can talk about the fact that he also brought in Mitchell Robinson. You can take the good with the bad. Like When the Knicks have made midseason trades under Scott Perry, they've sent out Christoph Sporzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, Trey Burke, Marcus Morris, Billy Hernan Gomez, um, Doug McDermott, and the 2018 Clippers second round pick. And they've taken in the 2020 Clippers pick in the first round, the 2020 Hornets pick in the second round, the 2021 first round Dallas pick, the 2021 uh, Clippers 
first round pick swap, which isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2021 Detroit second, 2023 Dallas first. That's top 10 protected. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan, Wesley Matthews, and now Derek Rose. And also, I mean, it's worth showing that they also shipped out Der- uh, Dennis Smith Jr. And yes. they shipped out one of the, uh, Horn- the Hornets picks, actually. So what do you get from that? I don't know. That's the thing. I'd say that <laughs> you, you, did, you did well, but yeah. it's like, okay, well, you got the picks, right? That's a great job. But you also have to hit on the picks. So unless you're telling me that Scott Perry was the one in the gym at Kentucky working with Emmanuel quickly, knowing that he is actually a competent point guard, that he can do various things, then you have to share the blame and you have to share the gratitude. So that's that's my whole thing with Scott Perry. We don't have to say this dude needs to get the hell out of here, and we don't have to no. praise him. No, I'm, and I, I, I'm, not, we, I'm not trying to say one thing that. that he has yeah. done, one thing for certain that we know of, where he had direct say and overruled anyone else, to our knowledge, right? Because you know it could have been that they had the offer on the table, and even Dolan intervened. We, we just we don't even know that. But for the sake of you know argument's sake, let's just say that Scott Perry is the one who came up with and pulled the trigger on that Clippers trade. That was a great move. Really was. All the other stuff, the good and the bad, we can't we can't assign blame and success. It's just too tough to do. The only so he didn't neither him whether it's him, Mills, him and Mills, whatever. They weren't Isaiah Thomas. They didn't hamstring the franchise moving forward. Although there were people at the time of the KP trade who said this is worse because at least Isaiah Thomas never traded away a 20 whatever year old all-star. Now in retrospect, that looks different. Um, you know, so, but they didn't take on, you know, bad money. They didn't uh, trade away future firsts. And then comparing that to Leon Rose. And again, Scott Perry is still here, which is why this whole conversation is convoluted and confusing. and not really worth having. What has he done? He's hired Tom Thibodeau and Tom Thibodeau. I think we could all assume has and he didn't trade Julius Randle. And Scott Perry was part of the team that signed Julius. Again, we can go on and on. I, I, there's nothing else worth saying. Okay. Predictions. Um, so we are predicting two games because we're not predicting a game that, um, even though it didn't yet happen for us, has already happened if you're listening to this. Um, so we're going to predict the Spurs game, um, which is, that game's on the road, right? They go to San Antonio and then yes. they come home for uh, Detroit. Um, and then that's it. That's, and we'll, oh, and we'll predict the all-star game, right? Sure. Are we predicting the all-star game? How do we predict the all-star game? That's the thing. We don't even know what team Julius Randall's on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess we should what, predict team LeBron or team KD. Sure. Um, did, did KD shouldn't still get to pick because he's not going to play in the all-star game now. He is though. I thought he wasn't. No, he, he's not in the all-star game, but he's allowed to pick. Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah. Um, who gets to, who gets to go first? See, this is the question. I think we need to defer to Andrew on this one. Basically, this Detroit game hangs in the balance of who gets to win because oh. I'm pretty sure that I said three and one and you said two and two. Sure. I think if that's correct, might have know. been the other way around. You, you just go first. You can go first. No, no, no. You you are the reigning champ. So I'm gonna I'm gonna you haven't lost yet, so it'd be wrong of me to take it. So I'm gonna look like the the bigger and better man here and give it to you, John. You go ahead. You, you make the selection. Andrew, is that okay? Go ahead. Predict the the game tonight, too. Because if you're wrong, then it's fun. Oh. Okay, sure. And if you're uh, right, you look like geniuses. Like, either way. 
Um, I feel like this is going to come back to bite me. Um, I, I am, I'm predicting two and one then. Uh, all right. Well, I, I, I screwed you again, Cohen. <laughs> I guess I'm predicting one and two, you know, man, can you, I can't believe that Dennis Smith Jr. Went off for a hundred points last night and just single-handedly beat the Knicks. No one else in Detroit scored. He just unbelievable. And how about that performance by the 2021 Charlotte second rounder? Just unbelievable performance just flat out ridiculous yeah all right one and two uh, i have no this other is very silly i don't want to do uh, three no it's that's as we've said the margin for error is just too uh it's too much i actually here's that is where i want to end um if they go three no if they won the, the pistons game that happened already and if they win in san antonio and they beat the pistons at home to uh to go into the all-star break and let's say they own that's let's say that that would put them. I think they would have to, because the Toronto game got canceled. That would put them sole possession of fourth in the East. What do you think it's going to be like for us when we, when we come on? I mean, I'm probably going to be sleep deprived because in all likelihood, I'm having a kid by then, but how, what do you think this is going to be like for us next week? Are we just going to be euphoric? Are we going to be like, I don't even know. I'm not even going to know how to handle that. If that happens. It's going to be chaos because we'll have an entire week of no basketball. And in that case, you would be, you know, in prime playoff position. You have bragging rights for a week's worth. That's true. That'll buy you time. Yeah. What could go wrong? Um, All right. On that note, uh, Jeremy, anything from you before we get out of here? That is all. Um, Andrew, anything I forgot to say? Not that I know. Uh, I'll just, on behalf of Knicks Nation, since this is probably going to be the last time we talk to you as a father of one, congratulations, Don and Dolores. This is obviously an incredible time. And as your Knicks Film School family, we just wish you guys all the best and, you know, an eventful week. I, I think I speak on behalf of Jeremy. Watching you go through this as a trip to the store is like, it's what? not a trip to the store. That was a bad analogy by me. Right, but that's not even that's actually what is happening. I've been we've been trying to set up like, okay, it was Nick's film school. Like, are we shutting down for a week? And you're like, no, I'll I'll do the post from the delivery room if I have. Stop to. it, shutting down. I have the iPad charged, ready to go. I I genuinely want you to do from the waiting room and like mid point about Emmanuel quickly be like oh by the way she had the baby and you're like great well so i do by the way is ice water it is vapes. just that that's that's your dedication i'm just imagining john in a mask being like what's up everybody it's your boy jonathan <laughs> oh, Macri shit, here. Yeah, i have to I have to have the mask Got my on. wife she's in labor say what's up honey that's the mask is gonna <laughs> be cumbersome <laughs> um but i didn't think i didn't think about the mask of, on behalf of your next family okay Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, let's just hope it, it all goes okay. Uh, and um, everybody, uh, go go give a rating or a review and a review. Rating and review, right? Five stars? Yes, there you go. And uh, we love Smash you. Smash that and, like button. Yeah, hit, hit, slam, the, slam the like button. Smash. Smash. Smash, it. Smash, Smash it. it. Smash it. K-penis forever. Oh, we'll see you next week. Adios.
The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.